Sonica, I, I said it this morning, I want to say it again. I've, uh, my wife has a very, she, she's very gifted in, in different, level, different areas of her life, but there's something that she has that I don't see very often, and that is the sense of how to relate to her husband in a godly way, and how to relate to people in authority in general. She has a natural, something that, that the Lord imparted to her, the gift of honor. She has the ability to honor, and I've, I've often said this, but I, I, I desire every woman on the planet, but also us as men, to experience and to receive this grace that is on her life. I believe marriages will flourish if people get what she has. And I believe most relationships will flourish if people get what she has. And it's contrary, it's completely the opposite of our culture. Our culture is a culture of dishonor, disrespect, you know, that type of thing. And, and she has something on her life that I want to export. That's why I'm so excited that she's writing a book. I want to export it to the world. And so I want to encourage you to open your heart and to say, not just listen to the words, but to, to receive the spirit, the heart behind her. Amen. I believe in her. I back her. She is wonderful. And if I don't stop now, I'm going to preach. <laughs> Let's put our hands together for her. Amen. Thank you. Andre is making sure I'm not getting out of this writing book thing. <laughs> it's, it's like when we started dating. Well, now before we started dating, he told everybody that I'm his girlfriend. I'm like, we're not even dating yet. I'm not dating you. I'm not your girlfriend. Stop telling the whole world. He's like, <laughs> yes. Okay, he didn't even say like, I'm his girlfriend. He's like, I'm his wife. I'm like, we're not even... <laughs> So he's, he's, he's following the same approach now with this book thing. I'm not getting out of it. I can, I can see it. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, it's good. It's good, to, it's good to dream, eh? It's good to dream about what is, what is possible with God. It's good not to settle for, for status quo, just for mediocrity. And that's what Andre is so good with. He's so good with not settling for... For mediocrity, and he's so good with not settling for, you know, what what everybody is used to. So it's good to be challenged by him. Amen. It's really good for all of us to be challenged by him. I'm challenged often by my husband in a good way, and I hope you are as well because we 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 want to change the world for Jesus. Amen. We want to partner with God and see lost and the lost and dying world finding hope. And, yeah, I just want to honor Andre as well. I mean, he's a facilitator of hope. He's a facilitator of faith. And uh, we would not have been here if it was not for his faith and his obedience to God. So it's an honor doing this with you. It's, it's a real honor. I want to ask you a question. How many of you are currently, whether you're studying or working, how many of you are living your childhood dream? Like, we, we all have a childhood dream, eh? So how many of you are currently, in, either in the occupation or studies, that you, you dreamed about as a child? 
Not many. Okay, I don't see even one head. That's okay. <laughs> I'm not doing that either. I mean, I wanted, I wanted to become a maths teacher. I loved primary school maths. <laughs> primary school maths. <laughs> when I hit high school, it became really difficult for me. My son wants to be a dentist. He's set on, mommy, I'm going to be a dentist. I don't know where he gets that from. I've taken him for a few checkups at one of the dentists in our church. So I think he hasn't had a negative experience yet. That's why he probably wants to be a dentist. But he is, he is going to be a dentist. Anyway, so I'll see if that's going to materialize. But I didn't become a math teacher, praise God. <laughs> I, I started with actuarial science by accident. I never really wanted to be an actuary. I'm thankful I'm not an actuary today. I would have been the worst actuary, I think. I studied accounting in the end. And I started my articles in 1999 in Stellenbosch. And as a 22-year-old girl, I really had Christian girl. I really had a desire to make a difference in my workplace. I, I really had a desire to impact my colleagues and to shine my light, as I really believe many of you do. But you know, when you when you fail your board exam and when you when you work overtime and when you when you come across difficult situations at work, it's not so easy to let your light shine. Hey, you, you agree with me? I think many of you, even whether you are in school or whether you're studying, uh, it's applicable to wherever you are. But so, sometimes we have this real desire to wherever we are to make a difference, to let our light shine. But sometimes we just cope from day to day because we get up early and it's a hectic day and we work late and now there's difficult people or situations to deal with, and all of a sudden it's not so easy anymore. So that desire gets quenched. And we, we, we sometimes just literally cope from day to day. And I want you to think about your job or your studies or your, your whether maybe you're still in school. Do you feel that you're flourishing in your environment currently? And if you're not flourishing... Would you like to flourish? I believe the answer is yes. All of us want to. Do, do you want to make a difference? Are you making a difference? If not, do you, do you want to make a difference? I believe once again, all of you would say, yes, of course. You know, we don't just want to work for our paycheck. We, as Christians especially, we want to make a difference. But as I say, it's not always so easy, eh? It's not always so easy to do that. When, when, when... Our day doesn't turn out the way we expect it. I'm like, Kirsty's a doctor. I'm sure you see many things that, you know, it's, 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 it's tough. I mean, I take my hat off for, for girls, for ladies who, who are in a, working in a hospital, who are a doctor. I mean, I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't know. I have so much respect for any doctor. Is Bernard still here? Any doctor. But the ladies especially, I have so much respect for you. So I, I really honestly believe that God calls all of us, not only some of us, but all of us to flourish in our environment. Once again, whether you're studying, whether you're working, I believe God calls us to flourish. And I don't only believe that he calls us to flourish and overcome, I believe that he calls us to transform our workplace, to make a difference as a Christian. But the question is how? That is the question. Like, yes, Sonica, it sounds really good, sounds really awesome, but 
how. I want to talk about that how tonight. I want to share a few things from my own work environment in my previous life. I also had a job like you, a real job. <laughs> now I just make tea for my husband, coffee. He doesn't do tea, coffee. <laughs> I just do coffee for my husband and preach every now and again. That's my job. I had a real one once. <laughs> back back in the days, I had a real job like you guys have. So I want to I show you a few things from the life of Daniel. I don't know how many of you have a Bible hero, but Daniel's been my Bible hero since ever, I can remember. How many of you have a Bible hero? Many. Okay, Andre's got at least 50 Bible heroes. <laughs> I always prayed for a husband like Daniel. I said, God, give me a man like Daniel. He just impressed me since I can remember. The life of Daniel made such an impression on me. And I want to I show you a few things from the book of Daniel. And then we're going to get really practical. Okay. So Daniel 1 verse 19. Daniel was a, a Hebrew, young Hebrew guy who, who ended up in a pagan nation, in a pagan kingdom. The king was not, nobody was following God. He ended up in that country. Okay, I'm not going to give you all the, uh, the history around that, but he ended up. And then in Daniel 1 verse 19, there's a scripture that says, Then the king interviewed them. He was looking for servants in his kingdom. And among them all, none was found like Daniel and his friends. None was found in the whole kingdom. None was found like Daniel and his friends. Therefore, they served before the king. So they made an impression. Okay, that's very clear. They made an impression on the king, even though he didn't believe in the same God as they did. Daniel 2 verse 48. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler of the province of Babylon, the chief administrator of all the wise men of Babylon. Interesting. Somebody who did not believe in God, somebody who who had no reference for, for the God that we serve. He made a, a, a Hebrew guy, he, he put him in charge of all the wise men. All the wise men. This is quite a significant position. Hey? Daniel 3.30, Let, let's look at this one. Then, and I want you to note this, because we, we often read over words like then in, in a scripture, but the word then means that something must have happened before the then. Okay, so in this one particular, the, the word then is quite important. I want you to note that. It says, then the king promoted. Remember now, Daniel was promoted already. But now, the king promoted Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's Daniel's three friends in the province of Babylon. Now, the, the promotion came after a big crisis at their workplace. Okay, so I just want to refresh your memory for those of you who don't know the story. They build a gold image. They said, everybody must now bow down before this gold image. His, Daniel's friend said, no ways. We serve the living God. We're not going to bow. But the, the consequences was that they would have been thrown into a fiery furnace. No jokes. That was the reality. So if you don't bow, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And they decided they're not bowing. Whether God's going to save them or not, they're not bowing. And the interesting thing here is, you know, there's, there's a difference between honor and obedience. You can actually be disobedient and still honoring. It's a sermon for another day, but I, I just want to, 
to show you that in a sense there was not dishonoring towards the king, but they did not obey something that was against their faith. So even in your workplace or in your in your current situation, to honor does not mean that we we do every we, we do something that's against what we believe. We can still be honoring, yet they were not obedient to what, what the king wanted. So they took the risk. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And then miraculously, God appeared in the form of an angel. He rescued them. They didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, it's, it's this, I mean, it's a story like, um, similar to what David Hogan would tell us. You know, the, the guy, Andre, we, we listened to over the weekend. It's just like, I mean, we, we all know these stories from childhood, but I mean, for real. For real, they were thrown into a fire. The guys who put them in there died. That thing was so hot, the guys who put them in there, they died. And God rescued them. I mean, that's, that's a hectic story. But it says, then, the king promoted Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, what I want you to note is promotion happens after a massive crisis. After, I, I could have been killed for this. But then promotion happened. The same thing happened to Daniel, just a little bit different. Daniel 3, uh, uh, 6, verse 25. Again, then, note the word then, then King Darius wrote, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before God, the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Now once again, they said then, so something must have happened before a king would make such a decree. Once again, it was a massive crisis because the governors were jealous. And they said they, they need to find something against Daniel, but they couldn't find anything against him. He's, I mean, he's not my Bible hero for nothing, eh? That man was hardcore. I love him. I love the way that he just operated. He said, uh, well, they couldn't find anything against him. Then they, they, they literally schemed against Daniel. They went to the king. They, they made him make a, a law or a, a decree that everybody must now pray to him. They can't pray to any other God because they knew Daniel had a, had a tradition or a, a, a habit of praying to God three times a day, unashamedly, openly. And they knew they're going to they're gonna court him. And once again, similarly to his friends, Daniel decided, no ways. He's not going to be obedient to this law. He's going to take the risk and put his trust in God. So the consequences of that was not a fiery furnace. It was a, a, a den of lions. I mean, I don't know which one I would choose, <laughs> like lions or a fiery furnace. I don't think I would choose any one of them. And Daniel decided he's not compromising. He's not compromising on his faith. But the result of that crisis, okay, the end result was, again, God does this amazing miracle. But he didn't know that beforehand. He had to put his trust in God. It was a major crisis. I mean, surely, surely any crisis in our situation can't be as big as a lion's den or a fiery furnace. It's not life-threatening. The challenges we have at work is, is I mean, I, I don't hear often about a life-threatening work challenge. <laughs> But these guys had it. But the, the result was, when they put their trust in God, first of all, his friends got promoted, and Daniel transformed a kingdom where a king sits. 
He made a decree. He made, a, he made like a law that all men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. Now, for a, a God who did not, uh, a God, a king, who did not believe in, in the living God, this is, this is quite significant. So what I want you to notice is a crisis or a challenge or a potential difficult situation or person or something in your workplace that is overwhelming you, that is too much for you to handle. You feel you're freaking out. You can't endure this anymore. It could potentially be a wide open door for either promotion or transformation in your workplace. Depending on how we handle it, depending on if we can endure and put our trust in God. So I want you to view your whole work environment. Once again, if you're studying or if you, no matter where you are, I want you to view your whole situation differently. A challenge is not necessarily the end of the world. It could be a a doorway to, to something that God has in store for you, depending on how we handle that. And I believe we are, we are called to be Daniels in our workplace. We are called to be a Daniel in our, in our environment. We're not a victim. We're not a victim of our circumstances. We're not a victim of our teachers or our, our lecturers or our bosses. We're not a victim of our parents. We're not a victim You are anointed to make a difference. You are anointed to make a difference. Daniel was very much isolated in that kingdom. He had his three friends. Praise God for them. This is why you must be in community. Amen? It's not, it's, God never calls us to walk alone. However, if you are in in an environment where you feel alone, don't let that intimidate you. Don't let that scare you. Don't feel that... You, you're under this yoke of, of a boss or an or a, a, a environment that it's oppressing you or it's, it's taking you down or it's, it's, it's hindering you from, from letting your light shine. Think about Daniel. Think about the life of Daniel. It's inspiring. It's really inspiring. So I want to I wanna get really practical tonight and give you three keys to promotion and three keys to transformation. In your situation. There's many others. Okay, this is, these are the ones that I felt that I want to I wanna highlight tonight. There's many others. But I want to I wanna highlight to you three things that could either lead to promotion or transformation. Amen? Are you ready for that? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Daniel 6, verse 3 and 4. The first one is found in Daniel 6. It says, then, Dan- then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. This is quite an impressive CV. These are the things that impress me. You know, some people are highly gifted, but they rely so much on their giftings that there's no faithfulness. Yet they do everything at the last minute. They do everything half-heartedly because they're so gifted, they can get away with it. And sometimes, most of us are, are you know, you get your really, 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 really gifted people, you know, who win a gold medal at the Olympics. 
Those are the really, really gifted people. The, the rest of us, like me, we normal people. Okay, we average. But faithfulness and an excellent spirit can take you from average to the king put you in charge of all his wise men. So gifting, gifting alone is not the end of the world if you're not as gifted as the next one. But let me tell you, faithfulness and an excellent spirit can bring you far in life. I worked at an auditing firm for 10 years. So first three years, I was an article clerk, and from there I, I, I moved into a manager position. So then you evaluate the article clerks all the time, every six months. There's an evaluation, and it influenced their salary. It influenced, their, it influenced many things for them. And the things that impressed me was not the guys who were the, the, like the brightest. You know, because in my environment, it's, it's quite a, it's, it's quite a, it was quite a technical environment, you know, and some people would do really well academically. But when it comes to faithfulness and excellence, those were the things that impressed me. So when we would sit at meetings and, and discuss the performance of people, these were the things that I would highlight. You know, because you get your bright guys, and then when you ask them to do something, it's, it's like beneath them, you know. They are bright. Sonica, just give me something really, really challenging to do. I had people like that. I mean, like, and then I'm just not impressed. I'm not impressed by how bright you are, but the, the excellence and the faithfulness of an average guy impresses me. And I really believe that was what impressed the king. That was why Daniel was promoted. So I, I want to ask you, how excellent are you in your job? It doesn't mean that we do everything perfectly. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence doesn't mean that we never make a mistake. I've made so many mistakes in my life at work. That's also stories for another time, but I can keep you busy with quite a few mistakes that I made in, in, in my workplace. It's not about perfection. It's about doing your best. It's about that faithfulness that really puts, it sets you apart from the rest, an excellent spirit. Second one I want to talk about is kindness, which might come as a surprise to some of you. I mean, who's got time to be kind? Hey? There's a job, Sonica, that needs to be done. I really don't have time to be kind. I mean, surely, you move, there's a job that needs to be done. <laughs> Proverbs 22 verse 11 says, He who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, listen to this, the king will be his friend. There's something about grace on your lips. There's something about kindness. I mean, for me, it was just always so, so uh, amazing. You know, when you, when you ask to, to go and leave, I don't know how many of you have experienced that, but why is it always such an issue to go and leave? I mean, I looked at the poor article clerks when I was still in that position. I was like, I just want one day leave. And now I ask for it, and now they make me feel as if I'm sinning against this company. It make, it, they make me feel as if I'm the most disloyal person on the planet. And I decide, I don't know, how many of you have ever experienced that? Asking for leave is a big mission. I don't know. So I, I decided if I'm ever in a position to grant leave, I'm going to, I will do anything for, you know, especially the faithful people in, in, in the midst of, you know, my environment. I'll do anything that you can go and leave. I'll do anything. I will help you finish your job if necessary. But there's something about kindness 
that is so much overlooked in the workplace. It's so undervalued because people feel the moment you're kind as a leader, people are going to walk over you. I mean, surely a leader can't be kind. You must be focused. You must be firm. You must be, you know, there must be some kind of fear, you know, that you release because then people are going to be productive. And I just saw the opposite. I just saw how people will be loyal to you when you show kindness. You know, I had a, often, you know, in the midst of a really hectic audit where we have deadlines, the, the article clerk's coming to me and say, Sonica, I have a wedding. I have a wedding. Can I please take one day off? Now they know everybody's going to work late. Everybody's going to work Monday, Tuesday, the whole week during the evenings, the whole Saturday. We're going to work. So they know. They know very much. That they now say, okay, let's see how we can make it work. It's a wedding. You know, they really want to go. But my experience was just, no ways. I mean, how can you even ask that? Because this is important. A deadline, don't, can't you, you know? And I just, I just decided, I'm gonna, I'll do anything. Because we had a relationship and there was loyalty. And I just realized kindness in the workplace is beautiful. It's not something that, that will, will be used against you. Because people become loyal. They'll go the extra mile for you when you show them kindness. I, I, I met, I met a financial director in, in, in Stellenbosch who was actually appointed uh, in the place of somebody who retired at one of our big listed companies that I audited. And they couldn't find somebody to fill his place. So they asked the, the uh, financial director of Vodacom in South Africa to fill his place. And I was so curious to, to meet this man because surely, you know, if they ask the, somebody from Vodacom to move companies... Surely this man must be quite amazing. And I was so pleasantly surprised when I met him to meet somebody at the top of, you know, in a top position in the business world. And I found kindness. I was like, wow. Somebody who can look you in the eye. I was an audit manager at that stage. I was a girl. It was very much male, a male-dominated company. He would look you in the eye, would ask you about your life, about your holiday. He would treat you with such respect. There was just, I experienced such kindness from him. And I realized you don't have to be rude to, to be in a top business position. You can actually be kind and still make it. I was so blessed by that. So I just want to encourage you. Kindness, I think, is the fruit of the spirit that is so undervalued. So if you are the boss... Do you, especially if you are the boss, do you have kindness on your lips? Because I guarantee you the king will be your friend. There's something about grace and kindness that, that I believe that opens the door for promotion. Amen. Let's talk about honor. 1 Peter 2 verse, verse 18. You who are slaves must accept the authority of your masters. Do whatever they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are harsh. And I know the scripture talks about slaves and masters, but just if, if, you, if you go to verse 3, it would, oh, not verse 3, chapter 3 in, in 1 Peter, it says, likewise, and then they talk about wives. The way we need to relate to our husbands as wives. So, likewise... When you are relating to your boss, 
This is what the scripture is saying. So even though he talks about slaves and masters, even though we're not in a slave position ever to, to our boss, the same principle applies. Okay, I want you just to note that. That word harsh also means cruel or severe. So in an, in an environment where you have somebody in authority that is harsh, cruel, or severe, God still wants us to honor it's really difficult. I'm not saying it's easy. But it's something that must come from our hearts. And if you, if you can't do it in your own strength, most of us can't. Especially if it's a harsh or a cruel or a severe leader. We have to trust God for a miracle in our hearts to honor. Because that leads to promotion. I believe Daniel and his friends had a way of honoring. There must be some reasons why the king was so impressed by these Hebrew guys. There must be a reason. And I worked for a difficult boss for a really long time in my life. Everybody was scared of him, me included. And it, it was very, very hard for me to respect him. And outwardly, nobody would have noticed because I would do what he asked me to do. But inwardly, I had no respect for him. And I honestly couldn't, couldn't see that everything that's important to him... Uh, I just thought it's not important. I really couldn't see how that it's so important. And I really battled. I really, really battled at work because of this particular relationship. And God challenged me at a certain point. And he said to me, Sonica, I want you to go out of your way to do the things that are important to him, whether you think it's important or not. I don't want you to only go out of your way to do it. I want you to go out of your way to do it well. And I want you, want you to go out of your way to do it early, before he asks you. And it was a major challenge for me, because I didn't think these things were important. I had many other things to do that I thought was important. And I said, God, I, I need your help. I can't do this, because I am really, really battling to respect him. And God and I started partnering around this thing. And I said, okay, God, help me. And, and God really did and slowly but surely, my heart started changing. He didn't change. <laughs> he didn't change. But I changed. And God opened my eyes for so many things in him that I could respect. You know how he would phone everybody on their birthdays, the whole office. Whether you are the cleaner, whether you are important or not important, he would phone you. If he can't get hold of you, he will walk and look for you in the, in the cubicles and say, congratulations, happy birthday. You know, God opened my eyes that, you know, behind this angry, difficult boss, there were so many beautiful things, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. He was the only partner when we moved from Stellenbosch to East London who, who gave me a handwritten card with a Willis voucher saying thank you for, for the time that we worked together. And I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that God challenged me on that because I could have easily left with an attitude of, praise God, I'm away. I never, ever want to deal with you again. I, you know, I could have left so easily and I didn't. I didn't, but I was challenged by the Holy Spirit to honor in a, in a situation that was really difficult for me. <clears throat> and I'm so thankful for that. And I want to challenge you as well. I want to challenge you. Excellence, kindness, and honor. Three things I believe that will lead to promotion wherever you are. 
Let's talk about transformation. Because remember, I said I believe God doesn't only call us to flourish or to be promoted in our workplace, but I believe he calls us to transform. Amen? To make a difference. James 5 verse 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or a woman avails much. Effective, fervent prayer avails much. I want you to think about the person at work that gives you the most opposition. That person that makes your life miserable at work. I'm sure most of you would have maybe somebody like that. If you don't, praise God. (laughs) Praise God if you don't have anybody like that. Do you realize that you can fight the battle against that person by praying? Do you realize that there's power in your prayers? And no, I'm not saying it's going to change overnight. When you pray tonight that tomorrow's person is going to be sweet and kind. It's not what I'm saying. But something happens when we don't only complain, but when we start praying. Something happens. Even if it's just in your own heart, something changes. And you've got the power to battle things in the spirit when it comes to people in your workplace. So I want to encourage you to get yourself one like-minded person at work. One. One is enough. Where two or three are gathered, God is there. Get yourself one like-minded person. If you don't have somebody, ask God to show you somebody or to send you somebody. And say, God, send me, show me the person that there will be agreement when we pray. And then start praying. We had a prayer group in, in, in Stellenbosch for about seven years. And we prayed almost every week. And it... It gave me purpose. It really gave me purpose to go to work. So for me, I I just found purpose far beyond my normal tasks because it was overwhelming at times. But then just to know that there are a couple of people at the office and there's agreement when we pray and there's somebody that, that supports me even though we didn't even work together closely. There's somebody, and once a week we're going to pray, and we're going to trust God for transformation. It changed so much for me. It changed so much for me. So I want to encourage you not to only even just pray a nice prayer, but to, to say, okay, God, even if I pray for five minutes, help me that, it, that it's effective and fervent. Because that's what the Word of God says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And if you are born again, you are righteous. You are in a righteous standing before God. Righteous does not mean that we are perfect or without sin or didn't make a mistake. The effective, fervent prayer, if you are a born-again Christian, your prayer that it's effective and it's fervent. And this is what we trust the Lord, need to trust the Lord for. It's a faithful prayer, not a desperate, panicking prayer, a faithful prayer. Get yourself one like-minded person. Amen? We also need to be spirit-led. Romans 8 verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons or daughters of God. You see, we can, we can do many good things in this life, but it's the God things that brings transformation. Did you get that? We can do many good things. There's lots of good ideas in this life. Lots of good ideas. And it's awesome. It doesn't do any harm. A, a good idea doesn't do any harm. But it's the God ideas and it's the, the, the God works that make that lead to transformation. And this is what we need to trust the Lord for. You see, sometimes even prayer could be a good idea. Let's pray once a week. 
But if, if it's not filled with faith, if it's not filled by being spirit-led, where God can actually give you guidance and speak to you and open your ears for things that you, you don't see with your natural eyes, it's really just a good thing and not a God thing. So I want to encourage you to, in your, in your environment, whatever you do, to be sensitive for the Holy Spirit. To say, okay, God, I have five minutes. I'm going to so pray into this situation, but I need you to give me guidance. I need you to give me strategy. I need you to give me names. I need you to give me a word for this person. I, I need to hear your voice, and we need to be able to not only hear God's voice, but to act upon his voice, to take a risk. To take a risk. Are you obedient? I want to I ask you. Are you obedient to the Holy Spirit's promptings? And sometimes it's not going to make sense. Sometimes it's really going to be out of your comfort zone. I remember one, one week I felt the, at the beginning of one year, God wanted me to put the Shelfer Bible School flyers in all the pigeonholes at work. So I was really arguing with God and, and you know debating with him. Is this now a good idea or not? I can't now do my personal marketing at work. You know, if, what if everybody's now going to put their flyers in the pigeonholes? So uh, the Holy Spirit didn't leave me alone. So I said, okay, God, early one morning. I'm going to go early one morning, which I did, 6 o'clock one morning. The office was empty. I put it in quickly, quickly, and I ran to my office. Uh, you know, nobody would know it's me. And then I felt God said to me, now I want you to email the whole office and tell them that was you. So I, I just couldn't get away from this. And I, I knew it was not the done thing. Okay, it was a very, I worked in a very professional environment. Everybody's way too professional. <laughs> professional is good. <laughs> but sometimes we're all wearing a mask eh, at work. It is, everybody seems happy and successful and driving their fancy cars, but behind the scenes they are really not happy and not fulfilled. And I thought, I'm going to get called in for this. You know, they're going to tell me, Sonica, please don't do this again. It didn't happen, but I did send the email. I said, guys, this is me. I did it. If you're interested in doing the show for Bible school, I can really recommend it. And it wasn't as if 50 people stormed to my office. Say, thank you. <laughs> you know, I've been praying for a Bible school. No, it didn't happen. But there was this one guy. He was still busy with his articles. <clears throat> and he was, it, was a, it was a difficult situation because he was battling at work. He was really, really battling. He would go off sick for, for quite a while, not like physical, but more like <clears throat> mental sickness and a, a lack of confidence. It was a, it was a problem. It, it was often discussed at managers' meetings, and he started doing the Bible school. He started coming to Shofar, he started doing the Bible school, and he transformed his life. No, he didn't, he didn't move from uh, below average to the top candidate or the top you know, performer, no. But everybody started talking about the change in his life, where his work was, nobody wanted to give him work. Nobody wanted to ask him to do work because they knew it's going to be a potential crisis. Where it moved from that to like, no, we can ask him. He's reliable. He's actually doing a good job. He is, I don't know what happened, but... He's changed. And I was so blessed by that. You know, he was, he was down and out. And God changed his life. And I just want to encourage you, sometimes it's as easy as one invitation. You know, we have a family in church who, uh, the, the woman was invited to a, a ladies' high tea about four or five years ago. Hanley, one of our dietitians in church, she was the speaker. 
It was a really non-threatening, anybody can come morning. Somebody was invited. And that's five years uh, later. And they are now, you must see her husband. He didn't even come with her in the beginning. She came all by herself. I thought she was a single mom. Now her husband is one of the leaders in our church. You wouldn't ever know this story. But she was invited to one lady's tea one morning. I mean, somebody heard a prompting from the Holy Spirit and they responded. If, if, if nobody invited her, I don't even want to think. I, I mean, I really trust and hope God would have had another plan. I really trust because, I mean, if we don't, we're not obedient, God often moves to, to the next person because God is not dependent, you know, on one person. But we miss out. We miss out on being part of a beautiful story. So I want to encourage you to not only be excellent, but to be spirit-led in your workplace. Amen? Amen. The last one that can lead to transformation, boldness. Proverbs 28 verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That was Daniel's lifestyle. Excellence in the natural, boldness in the spiritual. I mean, the king has a dream. Nobody knows what it means. Daniel says, I will interpret. I mean, the guts, the, the, the risk. I mean, what if he's wrong? What if he gets it wrong? I mean, the king really thinks the world of him, but what if he gets this one wrong? But he was willing to take that risk. He was bold. He was bold. Believe that you are called. Believe that God has placed you where you are for a reason. Believe that you are there, not by accident. We have to take authority over the spirit of intimidation. Otherwise, we'll never be able to transform our workplace. I remember times in my life when I was so intimidated at work. And another client of mine, it was also very much male-dominated. And I was the audit manager. I really struggled to cope in, in that environment. And I remember going... Again, early in the morning, like 8 o'clock, oh, not 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock is way too late, 6 o'clock. Going to the clients, would go to the boardroom where the audit team would sit, and I would walk up and down and say, I take authority of the spirit of intimidation. God has not given me a spirit of fear. God, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm freaking out inside, okay? I'm really stressed. I'm really intimidated, but I, 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 I battle it in the spirit. Until I felt, okay, I can cope in a meeting. You know, where there's arguments and technical issues and questions and pressure and late hours. And I need to hold everything together, you know. In, a, in an auditing environment, the manager is now the link between the client, between the audit partner, and your whole audit team. Whose article clocks, and some of them really need guidance. So you're kind of in the middle of many different people and everybody's expecting you to to perform so I was just overwhelmed and I said God I need I need you to help me I need to take authority over the spirit of intimidation because it's overwhelming me and God was so faithful but I had to battle it in the spirit and if we are intimidated in our workplace we, we, we can never transform because that thing will keep us silent it will keep us in the corner and say you've got nothing to add don't even think they're going to listen to you that is the spur of intimidation. We have to battle that. You know, at our last office meeting, just before we moved to, to East London, I was at the company for 10 years. I had an opportunity to do a farewell speech. Now, normally it's very nerve-wracking. 
It's one thing to do a testimony in church. I mean, at that stage, I taught at our Bible school. I would preach every now and again. It was not nearly as intimidating as standing up in front of your whole office and do a farewell speech or to do anything, to say two sentences. I was, it was normally really nerve-wracking for me. And that day, God gave me a boldness that was not me. And for the first time in 10 years... I could get up in front of my whole office, more than 100 people. Everybody's sitting there staring at you. Remember, professional. Yeah, we are professional. And, and I could talk about this church that we are a part of and that we're moving to East London to plant a church. I mean, people either felt sorry for us or they thought that we were crazy. I, I tell you, some of my clients went, shame. One of, one of my clients like, shame, Sonica, shame. I was like, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. I'm going to listen to people who are more positive. You know, I didn't know what I was in for. I mean, the church was 15, 20 people. I resigned my job. I was pregnant. It was a crazy ride for us. But I could testify in front of a whole office and challenge them that there's more to life than this professionalism and being a chartered accountant and making money. There's more to life. And yes, I'm giving all of this up to move to East London And I know it sounds crazy, but this is what God calls us to do. And I'm following a God that is alive and powerful. And it it gives me purpose. And I could challenge them. And I had a boldness that was not my own. And I was it it was a highlight. It for me it was a highlight of my ten years, a highlight of my career, where I could unashamedly talk about my church and my God. And and challenge them to pursue the call of God on their lives, whether you're making a lot of money or you think you are this important, fancy person or not. And some people came to me afterwards. There was one manager who came to me said, Sonica, you really made me think. And he, he told me that he feels that he's been called, from a young age he's been called, and he didn't really follow, follow you know, that calling. And he just said it, it awakened so many things in him. And for me, it was just a boldness. It was not my own. So I want to encourage you to not be intimidated by the darkness in your workplace or by people's masks or by their rudeness even. Behind every rude person, there's a soft heart. There's a soft heart. We just need to discover it. Do not be intimidated by a crisis or a challenge. In Daniel's environment, everything was dark. The magicians, uh, you know, there were magicians and wise men all over, and they did all kinds of tricks, not by the power of God. You know, they relied on the power of the devil to perform all kinds of tricks. He was really in a, in a dark world. He was not intimidated. And even the crisis or the life-threatening situations, it didn't intimidate him. He said, God, I'm going to trust you. And it led to either promotion or transformation. So I just want to encourage you tonight. Don't be intimidated by, by your work situation or by your studies or by your environment. God has called you to overcome and he's called you to make a difference. Amen? I just want you to, to, to receive hope tonight. And I know it's not always easy. I know it's challenging. But just don't give up. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. In the, in the right season, you will reap. Just don't lose hearts. Amen? Don't lose hearts. Don't lose hearts. How big is our God? 
I mean, Andre did the most amazing three sermons over the last months about the great I am. A God is not a, a, a puppet or a doll. He's alive. He's powerful. He is powerful. He's the line of Judah. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's, he's the one who was, who is, and who is to come. And he's your God. And he's for you. He's not against you. He's in your boat. He's right there next to you when you need to deal with a different client or a different technical thing or when you're studying. He's right there. He's right there. So don't be intimidated. Amen? Let's take his landing for Jesus. Amen? Okay, you can stand with me. We're going to do a declaration. I believe in you. I mean, I can picture taking his landing for Jesus. We're going to infiltrate the hospitals. Hey, Kirsty. We're going to infiltrate the schools. I mean, Daniel was just a normal Hebrew guy. He had faith. He transformed a kingdom. You can do the same. I mean, I'm just going to read the declaration, and then you can do it with me. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to transform my workplace. He has called me not to be a victim of my circumstances, but to make a difference, to speak life, to change the atmosphere, and to influence people in high places. God has gifted me with a spirit of excellence, kindness on my lips, and an honoring heart that will open doors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am bold, and I'm confident that my prayers are effective and fervent and will avail much. Amen? I declare that I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I'm obedient to His instructions. I declare that I am as bold as a lion, whether you feel like it or not. You are a lion. Amen? I'm not intimidated by darkness. Thank you, Father, that every challenge or crisis at work is an opportunity for promotion or transformation. Amen? Okay, let's all do this together. Whether you feel like it or not, okay? Declaration is not about feeling. It's about putting the truth in your mouth. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Amen? Okay, let's say it all together. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to transform my workplace. He has called me not to be a victim of my circumstances, but to make a difference, to speak life, to change the atmosphere, and to influence people in high places. God has gifted me with a spirit of excellence, kindness on my lips, and an honoring heart that will open doors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am bold and I'm confident that my prayers are effective and fervent and will avail much. I declare that I am sensitive to the Holy Spirit and I'm obedient to His instructions. I declare that I'm as bold as a lion and that I'm not intimidated by darkness. Thank you, Father, that every challenge or crisis at work is an opportunity for promotion or transformation. Amen and amen.